This is the Combined Effort Podcast, sponsored by Electro Savings Credit Union, where our business is your business. Check out their small business program at electrosavings.com. Also, would you like to regain some energy, lose some weight, improve your libido? The National Rejuvenation Centers of St. Louis are here to help. Their doctors specialize in treating low hormone levels to make you feel young again. Schedule a free consultation, go to nrcenters.com or call 314-764-2114. New show coming up. Let's go. Welcome to the next episode, the first one of the new year of the Combined Effort Podcast. With me, I've got an industry leader today of the magnitude kind. I've got Jackie Zykin. Jackie, what's your current position? Um, hi, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I am currently the master taster for Old Forester Bourbon. Mm-hmm. How long have you been with Old Forester? Um, I've been with the brand five years. I've been in this particular role for about three now. I gotcha. So as a master taster, what's your duties look like? What does your average day look like? I I know you kind of spend half your time out promoting the brand and the other half, making sure the brand that that leaves the warehouse is the same that you meet on the road. Um, Let's talk about both days. You know, you've got your promo days and you've got your, your um, kind of research days on, on on the whiskey that you're aging. Um, Let's talk about both. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, it's really hard to articulate what is an average day because they're all completely, it's a mess. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's my schedule's a total mess. But yeah, I spend half my time um, traveling and doing trainings and tastings and things of that sort and spreading the good word of whiskey. Um, and then the other half, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I currently live. And that's where both of our distilleries are. So I kind of do this triangle between um, the distillery downtown, the warehouses just south of downtown, and our corporate office um, just kind of to the side of downtown. So it's kind of all over the place. Our main sensory lab for quality control for this particular product is located primarily on our corporate campus to the side of downtown, but we do have quality checkpoints that happen at both distillery locations and then, of course, warehousing. So I'm all over the place. Honestly, it's it's kind of a mess. <laughs> so by quality checkpoints, I mean, what do you mean by that? So just tell us like a day. Let's let's skip the road part. Let's OK, Louisville. I wake up, I go to work. What's your day look like? What is it? You know, you're pulling from a couple barrels. Is it you know, what's your day look like in Louisville? Um. Well, like I said, like it's so hard to say because it's all totally different. Like today I got up and then I had to go buy a plant for an office. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And then the distillery have a podcast with you right after this i have a meeting with the cooperage team for some innovation projects after that i have another meeting to talk about some single barrel innovation projects after that I have another meeting to curate art hanging up in an office like it's it's all weird but um generally speaking mondays i am on our corporate campus generally speaking tuesdays i'm at the old forcer distillery downtown i usually travel wednesday through saturday every week and so um if I'm not traveling, though, those days kind of morph into as-needed time spent at either location or time spent in the warehouse. So I don't necessarily taste every single day. The days that I do, it's anywhere between two barrels and 90 barrels. Um, I don't pull barrel samples every single day, but when I do, it's always a minimum of 31 because that's how big our ricks are. Hmm. Um, 
all the way up to as many as I can get done. To be honest with you, I can pull about 90 <clears> in a day. So when you're sampling barrels, what are you looking for? Um, well, the integrity of the barrel and the vessel in and of itself is your first marker, right? Um, a lot of the times, it depends on what you're sampling them for. For example, if they're for the single barrel program, you are scanning for volume minimum requirements, first and foremost. Um, if it's too low of a liquid, you can't process it because the tank has an agitator at the bottom that spins. And if you can't meet the agitator, you can't do anything with the liquid. So volume requirements happen. Um, I never really taste in the warehouse. So pulling samples is just sort of a quick. And why is that? Is that you, you, so you, you pull barrels, but you don't taste in the warehouse. Why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, I pull barrels in the warehouse because they live in the warehouse. I don't true, taste in the warehouse true. because the atmosphere is so full of alcohol vapor that it's kind of difficult and anesthetizes your senses pretty quickly. Um, and also, I don't taste anything at barrel strength for the most part because defects don't show up at barrel strength because, same concept, all that alcohol is frying your taste buds. It's completely frying out your palate. Um, so I actually taste everything for quality at about 40 proof not 140 proof bring it down a little bit um and you talked about single barrel programs you guys do a lot of just different charity works you had one close to the family recently um tell tell us about the the single barrel barrel like you know charity events you guys have done sure um so it's a great program that we have uh currently you can't just go into any store and find a single barrel of old forester right they have to be private selected they have to be whole barrel commitments it's not an everyday offering like say Four Roses has a single barrel that you can get any day. Um, you can also get private selections with them. Like that's also a thing, but I'm just saying ours isn't an everyday shelf item. So with that, because we do have a home place in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, we have a retail shop. So we have a retail license. So every now and then when I find some really special barrels that are really, really high quality and really nice and tasty, um, I'll save those so that we can peddle them through the retail shop. And then we always give the profits of those to a particular charity. So the last one we did was actually in tandem with a group that we have here at Brown Foreman for our veteran employees and active military employees. Um, it's a group called Brave. Um, but we did a barrel selection and proceeds from that went to the Semper Fi Fund, which is always near and dear to my heart because my brother is a Marine. Um, we do all kinds of stuff like that. There's all sorts of things. We donate barrels for charity auctions. We've done a lot for the Anshul Project, which helps women in marginalized areas gain sustainable and respectful employment opportunities. So they do a lot of work to get women out of sex trade in India and help them learn wow. trade things. Yeah, we've done a lot, like <clears throat> close to $100,000 to Anshul now. So Not just uh, whiskey down there. Do No, not just whiskey. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean it's important to give back when you have the opportunity to do so. Once you're on this side of the curtain of this industry, you realize how much budget goes to things that really are just fleeting. And I hate to say it, but there's a lot of waste. Um, mm -hmm. So if you can just sort of rejigger how you're spending your money and your efforts to make it sort of a bigger cause, I think that's really, really key and important. And that's awesome that you're, you're kind of head streaming that whole thing for the company too. And, and, you know, your brother's a Marine, tell him thank you for his service. That's awesome. You guys are helping out on that front. Um, what's something that we should all know about Old Forester and Brown Foreman? Um, well, I mean, you should know the name in general in the first place. <laughs> it's kind of not the biggest brand out there. It's bigger than some, but 
it's been around longer than most. So uh, Old Forester has actually been around. This is our 150th anniversary year, and you have been able to buy a bottle of it ever since it started in 1870, and that includes prohibition. Like, you had to, like, get a prescription, fake a cough, or do whatever you had to do. <laughs> Sounds like but, a similar industry out there right now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it parallels some very modern issues that we're having. So, um, oh, for sure, we can talk about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so back when whiskey was considered medicine, Old Forester was a product that hit the market as the first bourbon that was actually sold in sealed glass bottles. Um, previous to that, you bought bourbon, you just filled it up with whatever vessel you had from a barrel behind a counter at a pharmacy. So uh, there was a lot of quality issue back then. There was a lot of consistency issue. And so the brand was legitimately founded on having something that would be dependable in consistency and quality no matter what. So we're growing, we're growing at a very, very rapid pace. Um, and because we've been around for so long and it's the founding brand of the entire company, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of really special places in, uh, in people's hearts, especially the Brown family that still owns the company today. But I think it's really important, especially in this landscape of whiskey going on right now in this quote unquote bourbon boom that we're still seeing, where a lot of people think that a larger size brand or a larger size scale operation of production means that it's not as quality. And that's absolutely not the case whatsoever. We actually have more quality checkpoints for this brand than any craft distiller has out there. I will swear up and down on that one. We, we turn away grain deliveries on a regular basis because it doesn't meet the quality. We make our own barrels ourselves because we want to have control of that. It's, I mean, we I, honestly, we could go on for hours on all of the different parts of it, but we've been making it for a very, very long time. I guarantee you, like every single time you buy a bottle of it, it is going to be the absolute most quality quintessential example of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey you could possibly find. And that's the one thing with Old Forester when I mentioned around here in St. Louis, you know, you don't see it on the, on the shelves in many bars, but everyone says, I've had that. That's really good. It is really good. It's exactly what bourbon is supposed to taste like. You're like... And yeah, like people are more familiar with some larger names out there and I can't and won't speak to their quality tolerances and production processes, but I can speak for sure that Brown Foreman has a very, very, very high level of expectation of quality of products. It is the founding principle of the entire company. So, And, and you just mentioned the whiskey boom in the past couple of years, we've seen whiskey of all types just, just jump off. Uh, what's the next five years look like for you guys and just as, as a whiskey industry in whole? Um, well, for us in particular, we've been growing at double digit rates for, God, I mean, since I first started the brand, um, I started on the brand. I didn't start the brand, but I started on the brand. Um, so if that hasn't ceased, we've opened a second distillery to support our production capabilities because of that and we don't make investments that are 50 million dollars very lightly <laughs> so that's <laughs> ah, small change on it still going but i don't know the category liquor trends tend to latch on to generations right and so like in your prime drinking years if you will in your recreational drinking years that trend will sort of stay with you and your generation until the next one comes through. And so uh, I don't think all of a sudden one day you're going to see like vodka make a comeback over whiskey. I mean, there's other things that 
now that people are getting less afraid of brown and aged spirits, there's other categories that are seeing a halo effect of that, such as rums and tequilas and old world whiskeys like your scotches and your um, Irish. So things like that are definitely seeing a nice little sidekick bump um, without being necessarily the main focus. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Um, and if it does, then it does. You know, we've gone through this we went through the 80s and we survived so we're going to be just fine we went through prohibition and survived awesome um when you're not tasting whiskey or promoting the brand where else can we find jackie's icon what else are you dedicated to um well if you have that moment if i have that moment i know i'm like what time what are you talking about where does that exist um I work nonstop. It's, it's to a fault. I realize that. And so I make it a really big priority that if I do have the opportunity to clock out, I hide. I completely hide. I'm actually a very socially awkward human being. and um, Never noticed that, but anyway. Uh, really? Oh, <laughs> uh, I am. And I need quiet and I need distance from public and I need to just hide in the woods from time to time. So I actually spend quite a bit of time. I actually come back to Missouri quite a bit to camp and hike and hide. Although Kentucky does have some really beautiful areas within a short reach of Louisville, um, Missouri, there's just another level to it because that's what I grew up exposed to and doing. So I tend to make it back quite a bit for that kind of stuff, but yeah, I hide, I hide. So where <laughs> we find me, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, the, the hide and go seek champion of Louisville. <laughs> there you go. And parts of Missouri. Um, you know, you mentioned hiding for your time off. Are you a book person? Any podcast you listen to? Is there a TV show that you have to watch? What's your go-to when you're not in the woods and you got some downtime? Um, you're going to, I, okay. This is just going to be a quintessential example of how weird I am as a human being <laughs> when I'm in the car and even in the drive, because I know you've done it from Louisville to St. Louis. I think it's supposed to be like four and a half hours, but it's like three and a half hours. Let's be honest. No, it would turn um, into three and a half. Yeah, sure. We'll just average it out at about four hours. Um, I will make that entire drive in complete silence and not listening to a single thing. I know that sounds really strange, but like, how do you do that? I ever get in my life. <laughs> I know it's bizarre when people are in the car with me. They're always like, where's the radio? Like turn the radio on. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice it because I just need the quiet like, <laughs> alone. Um, but as far as podcasts go, um, every now and then when I have to, maybe like stay awake while I'm driving and have to listen to something. I love comedy bang bang. I know that's another like weird one to be a fan of, but uh, I just love it. And um, I love Joe Rogan. Not like I'm in love with Joe Rogan, but I mean like, why not? It's but, okay. I'm in love with Joe Rogan. He rocks. You are? Yeah. I'll love with Joe Rogan together. That's fine. Oh, he's, he's amazing. He's not at all what a lot of people think that he is. Like it's just very, very smart human being. Um, but as far as TV, like, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I'm a Netflixer. I'm an HBOer. On What's YouTube. the last show you, you binged on Netflix? Um, well, I'm right now in the second season of You, and I don't really know. How we I all are. It. We all are. I don't know how any of us feel about it. I, I don't know. It's, it's not living know. up to the first season. I know that. Well, I mean, because then it was new, and it was kind of, you were still in that zone of, like. What's going to happen? You know, like maybe he really like maybe he's not that psycho. Maybe it's just messing with my head. And like, I feel like I'm being like thrown through gaslighting while I'm watching the show, which is the most beautiful part about the entire thing. So um, I don't know. So there's that. You got to keep in mind, like I have a six year old. So like when he's watched, I don't know. 
he's at that age though where he's more interested in things that might have some more adult underlinings to them that mm-hmm. like I can actually find interesting like I know it's probably completely inappropriate that I let him watch things like Bob's Burgers or whatever um, but I don't I don't mind to watch cartoons on a regular basis as well it happens to the best of us hey, um <laughs> In the whiskey world again, what was the best moment in your career? What at what point in your career did you say this is the absolute right decision? This is for me, Jackie Zykin. That's an interesting question because I didn't set out to be in this job. I kind of just went with the flow and I ended up in this job. And that's not to say I didn't work my ass off to get to this point. Um, it just wasn't like here's my five year plan of like be a I master thought- taster. Right. I wasn't like a little girl in fluorescent going one day I'm going to be a master taster. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know what that was like 10 years ago. So um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think I have moments on a daily basis where I'm like, oh, crap. Like, this is cool. Here here you are. Like, this is what we're doing right now. Like, I don't know. I think it's amazing. Um, But I've been asked this before by some people of like, what's what's your biggest accomplishment? Like, what's your proudest moment? And because it's a standard question to ask people when it relates to job and I feel like everybody always answers it the same way which is like I got in the whiskey hall of fame or mm-hmm. blah 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 and like that is absolutely not the case um all of that stuff really doesn't matter it's I'm not that's not why I'm doing this so I don't see it as an accomplishment it's just kind of like part and parcel with the job I'm really really proud of the amount of money we've been able to give back to other people and to start kind of changing what role an entertainment industry plays in the greater good of everybody, honestly, because it's not just about like having a good time. Like we do a ton of stuff to encourage responsibility and we do a ton of stuff to give back to Louisville and to help people left, right and all over the place. Um, And I'm fortunate enough to have a boss that doesn't limit me in my crazy ideas when I'm like, Hey, so I'm going to (laughs) have women that used to work in a brothel. So a bunch of bars in India, we're going to hand those out. Cool. He's like, um, sweet. Sounds good, Jackie. Just, you know, take care of it. All right. Here I go. Whatever. Um, And you mentioned that you kind of go with the flow. Is there a point, you know, whether it's at Old Forester or leading up to Old Forester, where I I know you've run multiple bars, bartended multiple places. Mm -hmm. Is there a point where you just thought, you know what, I need to go do something else? Um, sometimes. I think a lot of it comes more so from, well, there's two aspects to that. So, yeah, it's a hard transition to go from the free bird side of, you know, the bar industry where it's unbridled and raw and gritty and you can say whatever you want whenever you want. And, you know, your schedule's all unorthodox and crazy and it's just more, definitely more in the moment than living on this side of things, on the corporate side where everything is anxiety about what's going to happen in seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a totally different mindset shift. I do miss that part of it. I miss the physical exertion of the bar industry. Um, the bumping out drinks, doing all that stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're just completely in the weeds and then, like, you look up and it's four hours later and you've burned 5,000 calories. You haven't eaten in 12 hours or gone to the bathroom in 12 hours. But you didn't even notice it because you were so busy. And then it's over. And then you can go home and then you're yourself. Mm-hmm. Here I don't clock out. Like, on this side of things, like, I, I go to a bar – to have a drink on a rare occasion if I ever have time and it's somebody's like, Hey, we ordered this a while back. Can you tell? And it's like, Oh my gosh, here we go again. Like 
have to like go and hide at beer bars in Louisville a lot because they don't carry Old Forester. I know I shouldn't say that, but that's the only place where people like don't want to talk business with you. Um, but other than that, though, it's a really it's a really weird atmosphere for someone like me that just sort of is a little bit more free spirited and doesn't really deal well with the whole like this is what we do because this is what we've always done mentality. Um, so corporate America is a struggle for me. It really is. I battle with it every day. And there are times where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I also, like I said earlier, like I have this amazing boss who's also a little bit unorthodox and sees above all of that stuff. And um, I think I'm in a really great position if I just turn my perspective on it instead of saying I need to flee away from this, that I need to stay as present in it as possible, but stay true to exactly what I want to be doing within reason um, so that that can all shift because it doesn't have to be so khaki. It doesn't have to be so sterile. Um, and it's really, it can really dampen people's creativity in those environments. And I think that that's a really, really big shame. So I don't know, maybe I'm in this position to be making a change in a more positive way that way i don't know but yeah dude definitely there's days where i'm like i can't do this anymore gotcha well and then in those moments where like you know this sucks i don't want to do this what redeems your choice what, what moments i mean we've talked about the charity efforts is that is that you know what keeps driving you forward is being in that position to do that i don't think it, no matter how bad it gets or no matter how much i feel like the hands of corporate america are strangling me when i leave the office it's never that bad and I need to keep it in perspective because like there were millions of days like that back in the bar industry completely where you're dealing with people that are completely out of control and inebriated and whatever have you and you're tired and you're mentally and physically exhausted and emotionally exhausted and you're not making any money or like it's a dead day you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. there's so many factors so like that just constantly reminding yourself like you know the grass is always greener phrase exists for a reason and right now like the things that I really have going for me I work for a company that treats me like a family member and not just human number four five two zero four and also it's there is a certain um, weight of responsibility that I have to carry working for a brand such as this not that all brands aren't important and people working for them aren't dedicated, but Old Forester is a little bit of a different story. I mean, it was one dude that started it with an idea of how to make everything better for everybody in general, and they've never let up on any of that, and it's so important to the entire company, and now that it's actually growing, it's sort of all eyes on us, and if I'm the face of that, I really, like, I need to own that and take responsibility for that and realize, like, oh, you may have had a crap day, get over it because this is bigger than you that's awesome and it's that's cool that they give you that freedom you keep repeating that and that's so cool for sure um you know not in the bar world or you know the the brand promotion or the whiskey tasting world what other jobs have you had that have helped you succeed at this position um well i well i mean outside of that like what have i done like Prior to this, I was a beverage director, and prior to that, I was a bar manager, and I've always picked up Shaker for Hire gigs on the side and did promotional stuff on the side. I was a brand ambassador for St. Germain. I did the opening marketing platform stuff for Copper and King's Brandy. I did work for Heaven Hill for Four Roses, for Woodford, for Jack Daniels, like all kinds of that stuff. I think 
having to do a lot of the media stuff for the restaurant group I was working for really gave me a solid baseline before this job because it is very, very media heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, I mean, hell, I worked in a hospital and that helped me with this job because I realized I didn't want to work in a hospital and go the medical route, right? Yeah. It, like, sometimes the uh, journey is learning what you don't want to do. What you don't want. 100%. Exactly. So. I don't know. I worked in a vet's office back when I was in school in St. Louis. And it's not that I didn't like that sector of it, but um, there's a lot of lab procedures that, I mean, they're obviously not the same. We're not processing like bodily fluid samples in this industry by any means, but there's a lot of equipment that I've gotten a lot more practice with and more familiar with. Um, That has definitely been a help on the production side, but I mean, it all adds up. Every little trinket of it all adds up. Every little experience you have adds up. But um, yeah, I think the many, many years and like pretty narrow focus of bar and alcohol industry has been a huge help in this position. You'd be amazed how many people work for alcohol brands that have never worked in a bar. And That's crazy. Whole... Oh, oh, it's that insane. should be a prerequisite. Well, you would think, but then again, like you've also got, a, it's a, it's a corporate job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you got to remember that. So you've got people that went through college that may or may not have ever worked a day in their life that ended up with a marketing degree. And then here they are. And you've also got a lot of like, oh, well, my dad works for that company or my mom works for that company. And so I got an internship and now here I am, but they never, it's very harmful. It's very detrimental if you're in a marketing position for alcohol and you don't have someone on your team who has that perspective from the bar side of it from a bartender's perspective because Mm -hmm. you make all kinds of crazy decisions whether it's bottle design or price points or bar tool branding and all sorts of stuff you're just making them like on a whim of what you think looks good or feels good but you're not thinking of it in actual practice it's the functionality of it can you grab the bottle can you pour a six count and put it back down real quick you know exactly Force about even fit in it in the first place. Like, yeah, well, there's so many liquor know. brands out there that when I bartend, I'm like, really? <laughs> and this is why. And like, so that's kind of like how I started in this brand in the first place because Campbell Brown saw that a lot of bartenders were near, like, really, really devoted to it because it was such a historic brand and it's been around their entire career. Um, but realized that nobody on the team had any experience on that side of it. And it was going to be really, really important to the authenticity and the growth of this brand to have that perspective. And ever since I've been hired, that's actually opened up a lot more opportunities for people with those sorts of backgrounds at Brown Foreman, because they realize that there's definitely something of value to it. So yeah, the people that are pouring it, we should probably get their input. Oh, 100%. Uh, and you mentioned the media stuff too. You got to help promote a, a pretty one of my favorite movies too. A couple couple years back too, The Kingsman, didn't you? Yeah, we had a partnership with Kingsman, uh, the Golden Circle. <coughs> that was an organic partnership. It wasn't like we cut him a check to hang a sign in the corner of a bar scene that says Old Forester. Um, actually, like uh, Matthew Vaughn, who that's his whole baby. He met one of the Brown family members at a cocktail party and was like, yeah, we're going to do this movie. I think I'm going to have it set in America. And I think it's going to be about like, you know, whiskey making. And she was like, uh, you should probably talk to some of my relatives. We're kind of in that industry. Um, you know, but they went with old Forster because it was the only brand that could in an authentic way be present in that movie before and after prohibition. Cause there's a shot of that bottle that's from 1919 in it. And, obviously like there we were so none of the other brown foreman brands could really carry that legacy so yeah they wanted to work with us because it made sense and it wasn't fictional so 
Well, the movie was, but the whiskey wasn't. Well, yeah, the movie was, but the whiskey definitely wasn't. And that's still going. Like, we still have to save some projects. Um, and I don't know what all I really can say about it, but I don't think you've seen the last of, of that partnership. Uh, that's awesome, because I love those movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I'm going to ask you to write three sticky notes. Just a quick phrase to yourself to say to yourself. Do I need to go get some post-its? Um, no, because this is an audio podcast, not a video podcast. You can write it down. We're not going to see it. Um, but what would you say to yourself when you got started in this the, the alcohol industry, whether it's bartending, you know, whenever that was? What would you want to say to yourself from yourself now? Save your money. 100%. It's the hardest thing <laughs> like, to do when you're like bartending. That, so, like, from starting, like, at, back at that point, like, save your tips, please. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I would do the same. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard when you're walking out with cash. It's like, come on, man. I know. I know. Um, you know, in those moments of doubt, what do you, what do you want to say in your lowest point of this? What would you want to say to yourself to pick yourself back up? My lowest point of this particular job right now? Just, yeah. Just the point where you said, you know what, this isn't for me. Um, what would you want to say to yourself then? Oh, that's a really, really hard one. I mean, I feel like I said it earlier, like, just remember that this is bigger than you. That's good stuff. Um, in 10 years, what do you want to say to yourself in 10 years? Oh, God. What do I want to say to myself in 10 years? Like, am I hiding this post-it note in, like, a time capsule? And all exactly. Years, so my 10 years from now self, when I'm in my 40s. Ugh. Don't, 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 don't throw numbers out there, please. <laughs> <laughs> the note's going to say... 40s the new 30. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not at all. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say anything to my future self. I don't want to think about controlling or having anything to do with my future self. I want to just worry about myself today. That so works. Blank. Oh, who answers it that way? Uh, you're the first. Your okay. answer is no answer. Um, if there's a question that you can ask anyone dead or alive, what would it be and who? Jeez, man, that's a big question. It's a big one. There's a couple other big ones coming what your way. I really need, you know what? Like as, as kooky as it sounds and it does sound kooky for a lot of people, but like, I don't care if you know me, if you ever met me, you'll be like, Oh no, that's perfectly on brand. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, okay. I'm going to bring it back to Ulfa real quick. The fact that this was, this is actually like a person that, you know, started this entire thing i will say that the distillery downtown on main street is 100 percent haunted and i don't know if it's george or not george garvin brown who started the company i don't know but nonetheless i have had many conversations in my lowest moments with george in my head of is this what you had in mind what can i be doing differently i respect the vision that he had from the get-go and the devotion to all of that so much that i literally talked to george in my head so I ask him that a lot. Is this is this what you had in mind? Please, Laura, give me a freaking sign that we're not making a mistake by doing this or that or whatever. Yes, we're this. making you proud. Right. Are you proud? Exactly. Makes sense. Makes sense, especially being so devoted to the brand. It's such a great company. Um, what product or service did you think of first that's now a big thing? Product or service that I thought of first. Um, well, I mean... One of my very first projects that I started on when I joined the brand was um, the cocktail provisions line that I designed. 
So Woodford always had bitters and syrups to use for cocktail creation. It was a partnership with Bourbon Barrel Foods. But Bourbon Barrel Foods approached them to do it and said, like, hey, we're thinking about doing bitters. You guys want to do this thing. Um, with us, it was Old Forcer Lead, and it was completely on my own <laughs> of, like, designing what exact flavors is it going to be? What's the name going to be? What are the drinks going to be that use it? What's the photography going to look like? Like, every single step of that project was mine. And now the bulk liquid that we sell to them to make bitters out of is its own state. Um, so they are doing exceptionally well. So I'm actually really, really proud of that one. But that was that was my first big like success with Old Forester was the cocktail <clears throat> provisions line. That's awesome. And it just shows how much you're impacting this whole industry too. It's, it's so when, cool. Hey, who knew? Go ask a bartender, like, what would you do if you were going to design a cocktail line? Well, you, you oh, think people like, would hey, think of that. Bitters are really hot right now. We should do a bitters. Like, what's bitters? I don't know, but we're going to do it. Like, okay. Maybe we should ask someone that knows how to make drinks. Ask a bartender. They're a wealth of knowledge and perspective. So closing out the show here, Jackie, thanks again for being on. Um, how, how would someone do business with Old Forester? I mean, um, you know, St. Louis, we've got Randall's. Is it, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we find your brand out and about? Well, um, there are some bars that are diehard Old Forester fans in St. Louis. Um, some of my favorite places to go if I do get a chance to go when I'm in town. Um, legally, I'm not supposed to like say, go to this account, not that one. But well, you don't have to. It's there. It is around. Um, but yeah, retailers, there's a large retailer, a uh, large chain retailer in St. Louis, kind of close to where the Galleria is over in Brentwood. And that's all I'm going to say. They carry all the old Forester stuff. Um, Randall's, of course, like I don't have any issue saying that. Randall's is great. But you, you'd be surprised how much more often you can find it now. You just have to look or just ask. Like, it's one of those brands that's kind of in the swing zone in a lot of buyers' minds because it still doesn't have the awareness where Joe Schmo off the street is automatically going to gravitate towards it and recognize what it is. But the retailers and buyers themselves know what it is, know how quality it is. There's just that sort of internal battle of, do I want to put it on the shelf because no one else is going to get it? It's kind of a selfish move to put it on the shelf. So don't ever hesitate to ask someone at a liquor store like, hey, do you guys carry old forester? No, we don't. Well, can you? Um, sure. Like, Because that could be the defining moment where they make up their mind of whether or not to do it. They may have already been thinking of it. Same thing with bars. Just don't ever be afraid to ask. Just ask for it. Every bar you go to and every store you go to, St. Louis. Just ask. Just ask them for old forester. <clears throat> Everyone's now assigned the homework to do that. It's the first homework project on the podcast. There you go. Um, where do we find you on social media uh, to, to track your travels and what's going on with Old Forester? Oh, to see all the shenanigans. Um, well, you can always follow Old Forester at Old Forester with all of their stuff. But uh, if you want to peek into my personal life, um, it's not a private account. So you can find me at Jackie Zykin, J-A-C-K-I-E-Z-Y-K-A-N. Um, and yeah, you can see all the happenings all across the country, all across the world. We've got some really exciting global expansion happening this year too. So Old Forester travels are going to be going to be pretty epic this year. So make sure you follow, and you don't have to like anything, but I'm just giving you free chance to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, if you make the trip down to Louisville, I know a lot of my listeners are soccer fans. Will be down there for the Louis- Loserville FC games. Um, don't say that. Whatever, whatever. Uh, 
the tour do the tour down there it's awesome do the tour old forester is on main street it's literally right up the road from soccer games now until that beautiful um stadium is finished up which should be pretty soon here i think this is the first season for it i think so um yeah it's funny you say that because i'm sitting in my office right now in the distillery and my window looks directly at the window of the office for the soccer guys give them away for me maybe maybe the bird what's up um, yeah, come down, take a tour. I might be here, I might now, but if I am, just tell them you're from St. Louis. <laughs> I don't know if you want to do that down there. Anyway, anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I digress. Well, Jackie, thanks again for being on the show today. I know your schedule's cramped. We had to work this one in. Uh, appreciate your time. Is there anything you want to say to the listeners before we sign off? Um, just remember your homework. Remember your homework. Go to every <laughs> bar and every retail store and ask for old four. Um. But if you do find it, do drink it responsibly. Of course, I'm definitely going to say that. But literally, it's only a three and a half to four and a half, averaging four-hour drive down to Louisville, Kentucky. Come down and see us. Come take the bourbon tour. Do it with all of the distilleries. There's so many great places to visit. Louisville's an awesome town. Pat, you've been here. Like, it's an amazing town. It's great. It's a good time. Yeah. Even without the soccer. Anyway. Um, again, Jackie, thank you so much for making time for us. Um, thank you listeners for listening. Thank you sponsors, Electric Savings Credit Union, where our business is your business and the National Rejuvenation Center of St. Louis. Look better, feel better, be healthier. Jackie, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much. This is the Combined Effort Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.